Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. We made it through the weekend, another day. God is faithful and His mercies are new every morning. Thank you for being part of this uh, Remnant Radio podcast and uh, just for your prayers and support. I can't wait to get to our guest today. Father, thank you for giving us another day with our hearts beating and with breath in our lungs, and thank you for saving us by what Jesus did on the cross for us. We uh, we love you, Lord. We, we want to love you more. We want to do your work, the work that you've called us to do. So please give us wisdom. Please help, help us know how to respond to everything that's happening around us and help us to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ to get out and into the game. It's not really a game. It's the fight, and it is a good fight because we know truth wins in the end, and we know Jesus is Lord, but in the meantime, there is a fierce battle. So, Lord, um, heal those who have been wounded in battle. Equip the saints who need equipping. Build up your church, O oh God, and use us. Here we are. Send us in whatever way we can, Lord. We lift it up to you. Use us and, and uh, give us strength one day at a time in Jesus' name. Amen. Excited to have back with us Elizabeth Johnston, the activist mommy. She's a best-selling author. By the way, her book, we'll link to it. It's called Not On My Watch. And um, she has been in the pro-life ministry for many, many years. It's one of the topics we're going to discuss today. And she home educates 10 children. And, man, what, what a warrior she is. And we're thankful for her fight. And we're thankful that she stands up for the truth in uh, her neck of the woods and in her sphere of influence. And we uh, also want to direct you to her podcast. It's brand new. It's a weekly podcast called Conversations with Elizabeth Johnston. Elizabeth, thank you for coming back on Stand Up for the Truth. Hi, David. It's always an honor to speak with you and your great audience. All right. Well, we're blessed to have you, and we love, uh, you know, we, we're fighting the same battles here, but I just want to get a little update from you. Uh, it's been a while since we talked, and I don't remember uh, if it was during COVID season last year or not. I think it was. And then so much happened through the mm-hmm. summer last year with the Marxists taking over in the summer and, and with the riots and everything that happened with Christians kind of aligning with this global movement that was not Christian. And then we had the presidential elections and the political divide. And then now we have a new administration that's really coming against a lot of our uh, biblical worldview, life in the womb, uh, the Second Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of religious expression. Uh, they're coming against so much marriage. They're promoting transgenderism. So much has happened since we talked last. I'm not even sure where to start. So I just want to see how you're doing, what you've been up to recently. You're right, David. A lot has happened since we last talked. I don't think we dreamed we'd, we'd be uh, where we are now. No. And uh, definitely looking at uh, turbulent times, I think, for for a period. Mm. Um, and I guess I'm encouraging people to ask themselves some, some hard questions. Do you have the kind of faith to withstand the imminent storms and persecution that it looks like, you know, are on the horizon? We have churches, uh, continuing to be threatened, uh, if they, if they open, pastors threatened if they're preaching. And, uh, we have to remember where we put our hope. We cannot put our hope in the Republican Party. We have got to put our hope and the kings, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Amen. I think that some of us maybe had our, we were working hard to make sure that the president of choice for us got reelected and maybe our eyes were set a little bit too, um, intense, intensely on the, the Republican party, if you will, or a man for a solution. And, um, we have got to look to the King of Kings as our ultimate solution. Yes, work on this earth. Uh, run for office, fight to get the right people reelected who love liberty and who are actually fighting to protect your families and your children. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think the question is, where is our hope? Where is our faith? 
we've got to place it in the God of our salvation. As it says in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? There's been a lot of fear mm. that people have been dealing with in 2020. And, um, you know, fear attracts attack in our lives. Mm. And we want to shake off fear and we want to walk in courage and boldness and love toward others. Amen. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And unfortunately, um, we've talked about that, the church and our reaction to COVID. And I don't think we all passed the COVID test last year as far as churches shutting down um, and all the things we just kind of rolled over. And the government, of course, we already know the secular world. We already know they think the church is not essential. The church is essential. Look at what Christianity has done for the country and, of course, the world. But now we've got a bigger fight on our hands because we gave them more ground. Um, one of those battles, Elizabeth, is life in the womb. And Planned Parenthood is, according to one of the articles on your website, over the moon with the Biden administration and their plans to push their bold agenda items. And I just want to get your thoughts on um, the good news is we've got a conservative majority in the Supreme Court. That's one of the only things we as biblical uh, Christians and conservatives and Republicans can look at as, wow, that's something we've got going for us because the left controls every major institution. But Planned Parenthood and the Biden administration are hoping to see Roe v. Wade codified into law uh, before the Supreme Court has a chance to maybe revisit a case and strike down the ruling. Your thoughts on this battle and how intense it's going to be? Yeah, this is why we have always warned uh, believers to not place so much hope in the Supreme Court. Mm. This is why we have always cautioned, because it is a Republican Supreme Court that gave us Roe v. Wade. Do we realize that? Uh, yes. And mm. yet we continue to place so much hope in them. Mm. We had four years with President Donald Trump where we could have really, really moved the needle on the life issue. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump, poor guy, did really a whole lot, mm -hmm. uh, especially for a New York businessman who none of us were sure was going to actually enact pro-life policy. He did more than any president had ever attempted to do. Yes, he did. <laughs> he, he really worked hard to uh, defund abortion and was very, you know, bold and used his bully pulpit to fight for unborn children. It was an amazing thing to watch. Did so much more than, for instance, the George Bush presidents. And, and yet, we did not take that opportunity that we had in those four years. For instance, no governor, no Republican governor, um, ended all abortion in his state. If he had, he would have had the right president to back him and support him hmm. and defend his decision to do that within his jurisdiction. And so we missed a major, major opportunity and window. And I banged that drum for four years as hard as I knew how. Mm. Uh, but, but there's a lack of courage uh, on, on this issue, obviously. Yes. And now that we don't have President Trump at the helm and we have Biden and Harris, um, we, we've got to, as the body of Christ, realize that the solution over the next four years might not be so much political but it comes, we come more into play. We come into play as being the hands and feet of Jesus, as volunteering for our crisis pregnancy centers, going out to the abortion clinics on the sidewalk and being there and, and offering hope and help for the women and praying as people go in and making yourself available. When we go out to the abortion clinic, we see lives saved all the time. It is so exciting to have a woman stop and talk to you and you ask her a few questions and find out what's getting to the root of her decision to go through with an abortion and have her say, okay, thank you for being here. I've changed my mind. I'm going to keep this baby. Be, wow, what an amazing day. What an amazing week, month that makes <laughs> your, you know, what an amazing year to just have saved one life from mm. from a, a from abortion. And yet we have that opportunity around us Almost every day of the week, do we avail ourselves of that opportunity, David? Mm. That's what we need to ask ourselves. We have that opportunity all yes. the time in front of us. And it's not a political solution, but it is a solution that's there. And it's a way that we, one by one, chip away at the death that surrounds us. 
And I'm thankful for your work, Elizabeth. I spoke with a woman after church yesterday that she has been outside of Planned Parenthood clinics, either holding a sign or being out there to pray and trying to just turn one young woman away who is very confused and the pressure they go through and, and the public mm-hmm. and the peer pressure of yeah, abortion is just accepted. It's the thing to do. I can't imagine being a 15-year-old mm-hmm. or a 14-year-old. And I know you've talked to a lot of them. Would you share some of your experiences um, out on the sidewalk, the public sidewalk in front of Planned Parenthoods, because you've been doing that a lot, and I I appreciate people like you who are, I call them, on the front lines doing this work, and you've seen lives change, and you've also seen the warfare. Sure, sure, and we've seen uh, the gamut as far as um, women that are going in, you know, very hardened and angry, and, you know, they've had multiple abortions, and then women that are basically being forced to go in and kill their babies. We've seen it all. Um, never forget the time that a woman, uh, a man drove a woman in. She walks in. He drives off. Okay, he's just dropping her off. And she runs out to us as we are lining the sidewalk there praying. She runs out to us and says, help. I do not want to have this abortion. And he is forcing me to do it. And we got her in the car and we took her to our mother's house for safety. And we gave her a gift. Uh, for the baby, and we exchanged cell phone information so that we could stay in contact with her and help her. That man that drove her there was her pimp, mm. you know, and and she, and she was being forced, pressured uh, to go through with this. Who knows what would have happened to her had she not gone through with this. Wow. You have those kinds of situations. Mm. Um, and then you have, I'll never forget the, the young man who was engaged to this beautiful redhead woman who went in for her abortion. And as he sat out there and waited in the car, we have amazing opportunities with the fathers of these children who are waiting in their cars outside for hours. Mm. And as he sat there, I he let me talk to him through his car window, and I pleaded with him, David, with every argument and every reason I could think of and every angle, religious, medical, legal, spiritual, just everything I could think of, I threw it at him. <laughs> and I, I said, you know, I, you know, I think a lot of women, they think they're not supported and that you don't want the baby, and that's why they go through with it. I said, you know, he said, oh, she's made up her mind. She's going to have this abortion. I said, why don't you just text her and say, I love you, and I'm going to support you through this, and let's not kill our baby. Why don't you just text her right now? He texted her. She bolted out of there running, crying, and fell on his chest. Oh, my goodness. Weeping. (laughs) And they kept their baby. And they have their whole lives ahead of them. Mm. They're engaged. They're going to get married and have this baby. And it was just a precious, precious, amazing moment to be a part of. Mm. But, again, four years ago or three years ago, I would have maybe told you, we have some political options and solutions right now. Let's fight hard for this. But right now, I would say, body of Christ, go be the hands and feet of Jesus at your pregnancy center or at the abortion clinic. Yes, thank you. That's uh, what an an amazing story. And the body of Christ, yes, must engage in this issue. But sadly, um, the leadership, the pastors generally are not Mm -hmm. talking about this from the pulpit. Elizabeth, a lot of the pastors in America in the Christian churches are pro-life, but Mm -hmm. you, you would not know that by... Their sermons. You don't have to preach on Planned Parenthood all, all hour every Sunday, but you can mention some of the history of what's going on and why it's such an important fight and the importance of life in the womb and how to respond to some of these arguments when they say it's my body, my choice. No, we are, you aren't for reproductive freedom. You aren't for women's health. How does a Christian respond to that? Our spiritual leaders are generally not addressing that from the pulpit. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, all, all I can say is um, we don't we don't get to heaven on the coattails of our pastors, and ultimately we mm. cannot look to them mm. for what God um, wants us to do and how we're supposed to to walk out our Christianity on this earth and what it means to follow Christ. He said, "Take up your cross and follow me." There is a cross that we will carry as believers, and I think that um, a lot of pastors have not even counted that cost fully and are not carrying that cross and do not want the stress 
um, that comes with making bold stands on these issues from their pulpit. They are legally allowed to do so. They have been maybe intimidated and, and given the impression that they cannot speak about political issues from the pulpit. Uh, that is not true. Um, I would encourage them to maybe go to uh, a website like FRC's website, Family Research Council, yes. or um, oh, what was the one that just came to my mind? Oh, David Barton's website probably has great information on pastors and what they can and, and cannot do. A pastor should not say, vote for this political candidate. But other than that, <laughs> they can talk about all of these issues and how that affects their parishioners. And it's incumbent upon them to be leaders on these issues. But whether or not they do that, we need to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling, as, right. as the Word of God says, and make sure that we are being salt and light in the culture. And ultimately, we don't, we don't look to them. Um, we, we look to the Lord for uh, our marching orders, if you will. Another issue we want to jump to here this morning is, um, well, you know, Joe Biden's stance on guns and the Second Amendment. Um, mm. You sent out an email asking the question, will Joe Biden disarm us? And uh, as we know now, mm. our right to keep and bear arms is under attack. We've known that. We knew his stance. Um, so you sent out some very interesting points. And just really saying the Biden administration stated the following, and you just mentioned a couple things they said they want to do, including taxes mm-hmm. on the sale of ammunition, uh, requiring a government license for purchase of guns and ammunition, prohibiting online sales of firearms and ammo, just so many different things. Um, and one point, over 90 percent of public mass shootings, because this is what the left always uses whenever mm-hmm. there's a a shooting at a school or something. Over 90% of them take place in gun-free zones where civilians cannot legally carry firearms. And I think if I remember right, that email was with you at the gun range. (laughs) If I remember right, you were were shooting. Uh, But so share your thoughts on that and how important of an issue this is for us. Yeah, I mean, we, first of all, the picture, yes, was of me getting training from a, a private instructor because, well, you know, we have gotten death threats for the work that we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I take that seriously. And I'm very thankful that as a female who's five foot three, who could easily be overpowered by a man, by a criminal, and who cannot necessarily have access at all times to a police officer, <laughs> it takes them a while to get to you when you have an emergency. I'm very thankful that I have the ability to, uh, you know, have a firearm to protect my family. I mean, duh, this is such a duh, uh, <laughs> you know, argument. But we know how the leftists feel about guns. Yes. I mean, we heard their arguments and David, you know, they've got control over, um, over so much now, not only the presidency, but with, with the house and Senate, I mean, it's, it's, we know where they're going to go with mm-hmm. this issue. Yes. And all it's going to take is one big shooting and we're going to see that push. They're going to take an opportunity there. Um, they never let a crisis go to waste yeah. as they were taught, uh, by, uh, Saul Alinsky, and they are going to capture that moment and that crisis and try to um, take away our rights. And our founding fathers were very clear on this, David, and we need to make sure that our voices um, are heard with right. uh, our representatives and congressmen and women. Yes, and I, before we take a break here, uh, Thomas Paine, you shared this quote by him. He said, Arms discourage and keep the invader and plunderer in awe and preserve order in the world as well as property, horrid mischief would ensure were the law-abiding deprived of the use of them. So there, yes. are, there are reasons, good reasons, we need to be able to defend ourselves. And, and we, in this country, fortunately, we have the Constitution, and it's important to uphold and protect it. And it's going to be a battle going forward. Um, our guest today, Elizabeth Johnston, the activist mommy, and her book is not on my watch, if you haven't got that. And we'll put the link to her that book, and also her Facebook page at StandForTheTruth.com and the podcast post today. When we come back, we're going to talk about what they're teaching in some American public schools and also the White House talking with Facebook and Twitter 
regarding vaccine information. More with Elizabeth Johnston in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Elizabeth Johnston, the website, ElizabethJohnston.org. Her uh, book is not on my watch. She also has a weekly podcast, and it's called Conversations with Elizabeth Johnston. Where can they hear your podcast, Elizabeth? You can watch the podcast on YouTube. Please hit the subscribe bell. You can listen on the Apple Podcast app where people tend to listen to their podcasts. Also on Amazon. So we have several options okay, good. for people. Um, and we're, we've just had some great episodes. We've got some great interviews. Um, just preparing the body of Christ to be salt and light. Really giving people tools. Um, not only from the Word of God about how to maintain your peace in the wilderness, how to fight fear in your life, or overcome fear, I should say, um, how, how to homeschool your children successfully, just some really practical Good. tools that we're giving, uh, giving people. Excellent. Not, I don't want to get into this right now. We, we can talk about censorship another time, but if you have any issues on YouTube... Um, I've never been monetized on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I don't have a huge following over there, only like 10,000. Okay. Um, so I'd love it if your people would go over there and subscribe. But um, the nice thing about YouTube is regardless, even if you're off Facebook now, off Twitter, uh, you can, people, a lot of people are still accessing their YouTube, even if they've shut down their other social media sites. So, yeah. And I want to mention Rumble, too. A lot of people are going over to that. Keep both. Yeah. Keep, you know, stay on Facebook, stay on Twitter is my advice until they shut you down. But Elizabeth, let's get over to this topic of the vaccine and how the, uh, this is dangerous to me. When you see the White House in talks with Facebook and Twitter, the big tech giants, concerned about, quote, disinformation or uh, misinformation, you know how the left perceives that, right? They don't want any truth coming out from our perspective on this vaccine. So share your thoughts on that, please. I literally just read an email right before going on your show from a follower who said that she got banned from Facebook because she liked a post that was about vaccines that Facebook claimed was misinformation. Wow. She liked the post and is now unable to like and comment on other posts. So this is how extreme things have gotten with the control of information. Now people are frightened even click a like button or click a share button for what might happen to them. As far as the vaccination, obviously very concerned about freedom of speech with what you're mentioning here uh, Mm -hmm. with social media sites. But the vaccine itself, um, this thing has been so rushed just from a medical perspective, okay? You know, leaving tyranny out of it, leaving... uh, religion out of it just from a medical perspective Mm. with how rushed this has been um and and talking about taking a vaccine that that is altering your dna um and vaccines that are made from aborted fetal tissue like there is so much more research and years and years of research that should be done to see what the effect of this vaccine is even physically on um on citizens that has not been done. So this is why vaccines, it's such a long process typically. There's so much testing that is done. Yes, normally. And that's not being done here. Mm-hmm. So just there's so many reasons to be concerned and then to have it be forced on you, um, you know, and, and then you can't travel if you don't take it and who knows what else it's going to end up being you can't do. If you don't take it, this is a serious, serious problem. Yes, and just to wrap up this topic, and we can't get into this in depth because of the time we have with Elizabeth, but Facebook reached out to the White House, and they have a new policy now to remove COVID and vaccine information, misinformation, and what they categorize as misinformation, along with (laughs) Facebook pages, groups, and accounts that spread it. And then Twitter is in communication with the White House on a number of critical issues, including COVID-19, quote, misinformation. So be careful. Uh, We knew this was coming. It's already here. I mean, heck, when you can ban the president of the United States on social media platforms and and other private citizens and nonprofits, you know it's coming for us. Quickly, Elizabeth, um, 
Another concerning topic, again, I wish we had more time to spend on this, but we can just touch on the agenda to get kids to be divided over race. And this is coming into our public schools. This one particular story, and this is not an isolated case, uh, in New York City, schools are asking parents to reflect on their whiteness. And yeah. the curriculum is written by Northwestern University, and the guy says that created it. There's a regime of whiteness, and there are action-oriented white identities. Why all this emphasis on dividing all of a sudden, it seems, right? They're, they're gaining a lot of ground in this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't this remind you of the days of uh, affirmative action? Do you remember that term? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> was, was, was that the 90s? I think it was, a- early affirmative- 90s. Yeah, affirmative action was the big push, and, and people were like, hey, you know, we love all people no matter what color they're their skin is, but we don't think that it's right to say because you're a certain skin color, you get to come to the front of the line, uh, whether it's, you know, college um, uh, scholarships or, or whatnot. And this is a big thing, I think, maybe in the in the Clinton administration, if I'm, I'm remembering correctly, that we were very concerned about it. You know, now it's not even appropriate for us to say, hey, we don't care what your skin color is. We love you. They're teaching. No, skin color does matter. They have totally flipped the script, and they're saying the opposite. They're saying skin color matters, and if you are black, you need to receive this kind of treatment because, you know, you deserve this because your skin color is black. And so, like, wow. I mean, they totally reversed it, just like they took the tolerance message, and they totally reversed it. And now they're the, the most intolerant bunch, silencing everyone who disagrees with them. Just amazing how disingenuous all of this is. Yes, and it is about dividing, right? And yes. also rewriting American history and, and education. Yes. And they've done... A uh, good job. I, I don't mean good that I'm supportive of it. I mean, they've done a job at rewriting and deconstructing education. Elizabeth, we've got to wrap it up, but I want to direct people to your website, elizabethjohnston.org, and your your uh, latest YouTube video, a mailbox episode. Elizabeth, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Johnston uh, answers your questions. If you want to go to subscribe, go to YouTube, type in Elizabeth Johnston with a T. Uh, any closing thoughts just to encourage our listeners to uh, keep fighting the good fight, don't be discouraged, and to get in the game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we have been through hard times before, turbulent times before. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay active in the things that the Lord has gifted you in and placed on your heart. We will get through these days just like we got through Clinton and Obama. Um, do not fear. Do not lose heart. But Amen. please, by all means, be salt and light in your culture. Amen. And you too, uh, thank you for doing the job that you do. God bless your work, and we will be praying for you. I encourage listeners to go uh, subscribe to your podcast and uh, just support your website. Thank you, Elizabeth. God bless you. Talk to you soon, hopefully. Thank you, David. God bless you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. All right, uh, ElizabethJohnson.org, and I just want to add a little bit more detail on what we were just talking about, this article on the eight white identities. Um, this is something your kids might be asking you about when they come home from school, uh, depending on where you're at in the country. It is not just in New York. It is not just in California. It's in the Midwest, what some would call flyover country, a principal in the public school in New York City, is asking parents to reflect on their whiteness. There's eight different identities. I'm looking at a, a graph here that they have come out with. They're, they've come up with this curriculum. On the, on the far, all the way over to the left, it's a white supremacist. All the way over to the right, it's white abolitionist. So from left to right, I'm just going to read you this progression from left to right. White supremacist white voyeurism, white privilege, white benefit, white confessional, white critical, white traitor, and white abolitionist. So the curriculum, again, by Northwestern University, and um, this guy, uh, Barner Hesse, he's the associate professor professor of African-American studies there. He came up with this. Wow, I'm just reading, just look, glanc- glancing at some of this because I don't want to read the whole article here for the sake of time. Uh, but the, they're making progress on deconstructing our history, and 
it's a very dangerous time in America, you guys, especially in the public schools. We know that a lot of the history has already been rewritten. Do you remember the cancel culture, how they encouraged students to go out and attack and vandalize statues and take down these federal monuments because they were of some of our founders and, of course, all because there was slavery during those times and some of our founders owned slaves. And, you know, I mean, you can get into the details of that because they don't talk about that in the media. They don't talk about all the the history, the true history. You know, they take a little fraction of it, and some of it was true. And we're not proud of some of our history. But for the most part, it was Christians and our founders who fought to abolish slavery. You can look it up. Um, look it up. People like William Wilberforce. Look up his story. In fact, they made a movie out of it. I don't remember what it was called. I think it was Amazing Grace. But so there's a Department of Education representative that said this in a statement, quote, anti-racism and the celebration of diversity is at the core of our work on behalf of the young people of New York City and the East Side Community Schools students, parents and staff partnered together to advance equity in their community. The document in question was shared with the school by parents as part of an ongoing anti-racist work in the school and is one of many resources the schools utilize. Understand what that just said. Many resources. This is just one of them. And they come up with these eight white identities. So we're seeing this more and more. Um, Just a heads up to you. Have these conversations with your children before they learn about Marxism, critical race theory, and so many other things, and Black Lives Matter, which we've talked a lot about. We've done a program or two on that uh, with different guests and um, the differences between Christianity and Marxism. We need to know these things. Uh, We need to be able to understand how to have conversations about them because these accusations are going to come at us continually. Who is the accuser of the brethren? It is Satan himself. That's the underlying force here. And speaking of that, let me go over to Ephesians chapter 6 and read, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. That's what's driving all this. It's spiritual at its core. It is demonic. Verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. And then it goes into the armor with the belt and the breastplate and the the gospel of peace on our feet and the shield of faith. It says, use that to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. All right, um, the other thing I wanted to just share with you quickly, I just saw this uh, last week that uh, Representative Dan Crenshaw from Texas, by the way, we're going to talk about Texas when we come back after our break. Um, very interesting, I was reading in Matthew chapter 14 today, and very interesting, um, not a revelation, but just something I got from from God's Word that made me think, man, Jesus is Lord and God and even with all that happened in Texas, I saw some uh, very disturbing videos of people. Uh, God bless them and take care of these families, provide for them, especially the elderly, and protect them in Jesus' name. And also um, have find places for these people to to live temporarily. As I've, I saw pipes bursting, water pouring out in some of these videos, uh, a lot of ceilings caving in. Um, water going down stairwells and, and just, they just were not prepared for this and what happened. And green energy failures had a lot to do with it. If you missed our Friday podcast with Dr. Andy Woods, we talked a lot about that. He's in Texas near Houston and he shared his concerns about green energy failures there and what happened when Texas, one of the most powerful states in the country, started uh, leaning towards some of those leftist environmental policies to, I guess, keep up with the progressives. But they didn't work. The windmills froze. 
Um, they didn't have power, and it, that's something like that. With all the resources they have in Texas, that should have never happened. But anyway, we also need to pray that insurance companies will uh, provide, you know, will cover all of this damage for individuals and businesses and you know churches too. You know, pipes bursting, ceilings caving in, floods, a lot of damage that that in ways. I mean, pipes freezing in Texas, right? Um, when we come back after, we got a couple more minutes yet before we take a break. We're going to talk about how God is controlling the weather. He ordains weather patterns. So what the heck? You, you, a lot of us are asking, how could he allow this to happen? We'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to share with uh, you what Dan Crenshaw uh, issued, um, the conservative guide to the culture wars. There's some brief points um, that he went through. Uh, you know, Crenshaw, man, he loves America, uh, First Amendment rights, capitalism, uh, the freedoms in our country, religious freedom. Um, he's a believer. Uh, he said, and these are just bullet points from Rep. Uh, Dan Crenshaw. America is worthy of our love and patriotism, not idolatry. Don't idolat- uh, I- idolize America. Don't make it an idol. But we can be proud to live here. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not pride in in ourselves. This is just being thankful, being proud of where we live. Um, victor mentality is better than a victim mentality. Number three, free speech is absolute. Hate speech is not an objective term. Next, it doesn't matter what kind of gun you restrict, criminals still hurt people. Let us protect ourselves. Uh, number five, you get to keep wealth you create and pass it to your kids. The government has no right to shut down your business or invade your home without due process, even in pandemics. Women should not have to compete against men in women's sports. Number eight, verifying ID to vote is not racist. It is common sense. Borders and national sovereignty are not racist or xenophobic. Number ten, you can't have freedom without order, order without law, law without morality, morality without religion, or religion without God. Next, innocent until proven guilty, not the other way around. Personal responsibility is a virtue. Never give in to cancel culture, but stay humble and apologize when you're wrong. When you are wrong. Number 14, the founding was 1776 of our country, not 1619. He also says stand for the anthem. Less abortion, more adoption. Only women can be pregnant and breastfeed. More police, not defund the police. And he says don't tear up the past. Let's learn from it. That's Dan Crenshaw. More on Stand for the Truth in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. In a minute, we'll go through a great article uh, that I think is important from Frank Wright. Uh, he came up with this, uh, not came up with it, he wrote it, and he's a contributor at uh, One News Now. Uh, it's called When Truth is the Enemy. But before we do that, I mentioned Matthew chapter 14, um, and I mentioned Texas and the green energy failures and the, the weather, chaotic weather patterns. We're seeing more and more of this, not just in America, but around the world with things happening with the oceans and, and there are hurricanes, more earthquakes, and these are signs of the end times. Read Matthew um, 28 <laughs> and uh, others, Mark 13, I think, and a few others. You can get more on that. But in Matthew 14, I just read this this morning, a very interesting three major things, major ways that Jesus showed his deity, that he is God. Uh, first of all, his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded, right? Right after that, um, Jesus went um, to a secluded place, it says, to pray, People heard about this, and apparently they they got into a boat and they were going, you know, to wherever this was that Jesus was praying. But when he arrived ashore, it says a large crowd gathered, and he felt compassion for them, and healed their sick. 
This is just after Jesus heard about his cousin, one whom he could identify with, John the Baptist, who had a calling from God to prepare the way for the Savior. And he got his head cut off by Herod. And so Jesus didn't even have a chance to mourn, apparently, but yet he had compassion for people and healed their sick. His power over sickness and disease, right? Then in that same place, it says, when it was evening... The disciple said, uh, this is a secluded place. Send people away so they can get something to eat. Jesus said, you go give them something to eat. And they said, we have nothing here except five loaves and two fish. So he said, bring them here to me. The crowd sat down in the grass. He directed all the people. And he looked toward heaven, blessed the food, breaking the loaves. And he gave it to the disciples. And they fed the crowds. Verse 20 says, they all ate and were satisfied and picked up what was left over of the broken pieces. 12 full baskets. There were 5,000 men who ate besides women and children. So now Jesus has power over creation. He created food from a very minimal amount, right? So he has power over sickness and and disease, all the healings. Now he has power to create food and provide people, give them bread. And then here's the one I want to tell you about Jesus walking on the water. And the boat was already long distance from shore. And when he told the disciples to go to the other side of the lake and the sea, it says, on the fourth watch, he came to them walking on the sea. The disciples were terrified, thought it was a ghost. He said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Peter responded and said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Peter got up out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And when he began to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached his hand and grabbed Peter, pulled him up, and got him into the boat. You have a little faith. Why did you doubt? (laughs) It's an amazing story. But they got into the boat, and the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are truly God's son. So power over sickness and disease, power over creation and and food and sustenance, material things. He created you know, bread, you know, fish and bread and gave it to the fed all the people, right? Um, and then power over nature. This is the third point. Power over nature. Power over weather patterns. Why would he allow this to happen? What was the result? Verse 33. They said, you truly are God's son. He is in control. It, they were fearful at first. And then they saw, wow, this is Jesus. This is God's son. They knew his deity. They affirmed his deity. So the storms, all these things in Texas with the the, the ice storms and everything that happened, the purpose, God uses his ways that are above our ways to draw people to himself. Not to hurt people. Whether it's an earthquake or fires, they have wildfires in California. They have Texas happened to be the freezing temperatures, which is not normal for them to go so low and to have all this damage to turn people to God, to cause people to cry out to God. So just that point that Jesus is Lord even over the weather. And all of that is to work to bring people to him. Just thought that was some point that I got this morning when I was reading through Matthew 14. I thought, wow. Um, some really, you know, we can go a lot deeper, but I just, just do want to get to this article briefly. Um, when truth is the enemy, uh, Frank Wright said, at its base, the progressive cancel culture is less about deplatforming extreme ideas and more about persecuting people with whom they disagree. Their aim is not correction, but destruction. And they want to make sure nobody hears ideas with which they disagree. Powerful statements there. So, in Washington, D.C., the Jefferson Memorial's there. The rotunda of uh, this it shelters a statue of, of the great man, Thomas Jefferson. Among his many inscriptions are these, quote, I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of of tyranny over the mind of man. Thomas Jefferson. With a craven cancel culture now in full sway, one can only wonder 
what Jefferson, the man who crafted the Declaration of Independence, might say about cancel culture. Perhaps he would even rehearse the Declaration's self-evident truths. Quote, that we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, apparently, what the Lord giveth, the Lifetime Network, for example, taketh away. He said, after three years of Lifetime airing our weekly Truths That Transform television program, one in which we apply biblical truths to great moral, ethical, and cultural questions of our day, officials at Lifetime Network have suddenly decided our program is too controversial, forcing us off the network. They objected to our expose on Planned Parenthood, in which we documented their sale of baby body parts derived from abortions. They objected to our expose on billionaire radical George Soros and his systematic efforts to undermine American laws and institutions. They even objected to our program on the spiritual life of George Washington. Now, at the same time, Lifetime Channel is giving us the back of their hand, we received reports from others in the community of Christian broadcasters that there are other major cable TV channels and networks that are canceling entire blocks of religious programming now. This is the new face of corporate responsibility in America. Viewpoint discrimination, prior restraint, and outright censorship. This spitting in the face of those with viewpoints differing from the new woke orthodoxy by broadcast and cable television is bad enough, but it gets worse. Others providing business services to those holding non-favored viewpoints are falling all over each other to demonstrate their woke bona fides by denying services to those with the heretical Timetry to hold the views diverging from those permissible under progressive wokeism. Witness the good folks at wannabe gatekeeper MailChimp. Here's another story. This is by Frank Wright. It's all in the same article, When Truth is the Enemy. MailChimp, the friendly email platform whose standard terms of use were recently modified to include this language. How MailChimp is singularly qualified to educate matters of truth or falsely across a falsity, I'm sorry, truth or falsity across a wide range of cultural issues escapes the notice of most neutral observers. But herein lies the genius of progressive thinkers. If the viewpoint in question is different than ours, it must be false. Case closed. I want to say that again. Frank Wright makes an excellent point. This is part of the underlying cancel culture, right? Which is demonic. It is censorship. If the viewpoint in question is different than ours, it must be false. That's their assumption. Or witness the enlightened folks at Wells Fargo forcibly closing the financial accounts of people highly visible in the conservative and Christian landscape. Or how about California-based Logics Federal Credit Union refusing accounts to people even doing business with religious organizations? Naturally, the elephant in the room question is, when when will woke financial institutions begin begin targeting the supporters of Christian and conservative organizations? So there's a little bit more that goes on. He mentions the Southern Poverty Law Center, but I want to close with just a couple thoughts. He wants, obviously, we want more speech, not less. Um, one might argue that the foundational question here is, why are progressives so deathly afraid of free of the free marketplace of ideas. Why would they want to censor or ban or cancel us? Why? If we are speaking the truth from a biblical worldview, right, why are they maybe afraid of us? I don't think they they don't fear God. We know that. They don't want the truth because they don't want people to make up their own minds and go, you know what, that, that Christian worldview is reasonable. That's, isn't that interesting? So why are progressives so deathly afraid of the free marketplace of ideas? Whatever the case, he concludes, that it's self-evident the solitary idea nearest to the progressive heart is to make sure nobody 
here's your ideas. This is you know, Thomas Jefferson's tyranny over the mind of man. This is what he said. That quote again from Jefferson, because we are going to endure more hostility. Uh, Jefferson said, I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. And they are trying to brainwash our children. They're trying to change public opinion. And they have been successful if we would be honest enough to admit. What do we do? Pray. Never stop being the salt and light. I hope that you have already gotten off the bench, and I hope that you are in the game, even though it's not a game. It is a battle, and there is a war on truth. And we must keep fighting the good fight of faith, friends. That's why we're here. The, The fight starts with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the more that comes against our free speech and the Constitution, you know, the religious freedom in America, the more the left comes against this with laws and censorship, the less opportunities we have to to preach the gospel. The ultimate result is we will be censored, we will be sent to jail or imprisoned for preaching the gospel. Most countries around the world, I mean, not most, but many of them, it is illegal to preach the gospel. Here we have that blessing. We should be fighting for religious freedom so that more people can be saved. That should be our heart. Life in the womb. Religious freedom. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So when truth is the enemy, I'll put that article up at standitforthetruth.com in today's podcast post. Uh, When we come back, I'm excited to tell you about our guests the rest of this week. Keep it right here. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, tomorrow we're going to hear from Dr. Rick Scarborough of Reclaim America. And I can't wait to get him back on. It's been, um, gosh, almost uh, six, seven months. But anyway, um, Wednesday you will hear a rebroadcast of Pastor Matt Truella, Missionaries to the Preborn. And uh, Jason Jimenez, a new guest on Thursday, Stand Strong Ministries, and he's got a great book out. He's an apologist and, of course, a Christian author. He's got a new book, Challenging Conversations, a guide to uh, controversial topics in the church. So Jason Jimenez on Thursday. And Dr. Cal Beisner, um, we're talking about environmentalism on Friday, and uh, he's uh, just been a great guest. It's been a while since we've talked to him as well. Scarborough, Truella, Jimenez, Beisner coming up the rest of this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you guys. Keep sharing the podcasts. That's how they get out there. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.